You are listening to Revision, a podcast about church health and growth. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith, Director of Church Health Strategy at Texas Baptist. Join us as we discuss church growth, explore examples of healthy churches, and I share inspirational stories from years of ministry around the great state of Texas. Hi, I'm Jonathan Smith, the Director of Church Health Strategy here for Texas Baptist, the Baptist General Convention of Texas. We're so glad you joined us for Revision today, and I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Tom Rainer and Dr. Sam Rainer of ChurchAnswers.com. Doctor, doctor, doctor. Sorry. Doctor, doctor. I mean, come on, Jonathan, I'm Tom. Now, now what's the movie reference? Hello, uh, doctor. 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 Is that an airplane? Nope, not airplane. No. Spies like us. Oh. You sent us that the other day. I think I did. Yeah. Oh, doctor. It's doctor. just one of those. Oh, sorry, Jonathan. Were you saying something? No, I was not. Okay. It's one of those honorary deals. You know, when I've read all of your books, it's hard to not call you, but I- I'll call you Tom. I won't call you Thom. Like so probably some Don't people. Don't call me Thom Rainer. That's Tom right. Rainer. <laughs> well, welcome to Texas and to Texas Baptist. <clears throat> we yes. are honored to be here. We're to. To say it, we're excited almost sounds cliche, but I'm going to be cliche-ish and uh, just simply say for Church Answers to have this partnership with Texas Baptist recording this here, <laughs> this particular episode in Dallas and uh, get to know so many of your people and Jonathan, especially you, we're honored. I know that Sam feels the same way. I do. Absolutely. It's it's great to, to be a part of what you're doing with Texas Baptist, particularly this podcast. Look forward to my time. Now, every Texan wants to know when someone comes in from out of state, there's two questions that just have to be asked, okay? So the first question is not, have you had chicken fried steak, but how much do you love chicken fried steak? Sam? I don't know that I've ever had chicken fried steak. You are lying to me. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had. I've had chicken fried steak. Once. Once? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it. Are you serious? I'm serious. I've had chicken fried steak. Yes, I have. Okay. Tried it, tried it at a restaurant. My wife said I'd like it. My wife is usually right, Jonathan. Not this time. Wow. No, I, I can't. I'm, I I'm not we, even sure. I'm not even sure I know what that is. I, I think we just, it's think of a boot and chewing on it. Oh, my goodness. You have no idea the offense that's being taken all across Texas right now. Maybe the second one will be quite so bad. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just ignorant. That's all. Well, I'm just saying I'm ignorant. We're, we're going to have to solve your ignorance probably. Let's see. It's like uh, 2 o'clock or something like that, 5 p.m. We'll have to solve that. So the other one would be, have you been to Bucky's? Yes, I have been to a Bucky's. Okay. I, have def- you- I defer to Sam. Okay. So <laughs> can you describe Bucky's from a non-Texas perspective? It's a giant gas station. And? Um, <laughs> it's got a lot of, it's got a pretty good selection of things to buy. It does. It's incredible. <laughs> it's an eclectic, large gas station. It is, with more snacks than what you could ever, ever eat. And, and the claim to fame is it's the cleanest place in Texas to go to the bathroom, and it's actually true. So people people literally travel from other states just to go and see Bucky's. It is a crazy, crazy thing. So Sounds like a future destination for me. I'm, I'm out of that loop. You know, I, I'm 
thrilled to be in Texas so that I have an opportunity to eat chicken fried steak. And then obviously the aftermath would, of that would be to visit a <laughs> yes. Bucky's bathroom. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, the podcast is over. We'll be going to have chicken fried steak and Bucky's like right now. So Texas has been good to talk to you guys. No, no, seriously. <laughs> we're, we're here today. We're going to have a great show for you. We're going to talk about in a moment the, the, this idea of how do we recalibrate for church growth in the, I would say, almost post-pandemic world. But before we get to that, we have a major announcement here uh, as Texas Baptists about this partnership that Texas Baptists, the BGCT, our 5,300 churches, uh, this new connection with the Rainers and with Church Answers. Uh, one of the main reasons we're doing this is simply so that we can resource our churches with some of the best products that are out there and also with some of the best men who are out there who understand and know church health, church growth, church revitalization. So let's talk through that a, a moment. Tell us about some of the great resources that are provided by Church Answers. I'm honored, first of all, first to be a part of this partnership. Sam is as well. We have a lot of resources that are out there. And the, the whole purpose of these resources, Jonathan, is to help leaders help the churches get mm -hmm. healthier. And there, there could be a resource like Pray and Go, which we think is one of the best get into the community and reach the community through the power of prayer right. uh, type of resources. Yeah. Uh, invite Your One, which is not a high attendance day as much as it is creating or recreating a culture of invitation. And Sam, we, we've also been very, very tight in the certification world as well, and we provide different types of certification too. And then after that, talk to them about really our, our foundational resource, which is Church Answers uh, subscription. Yeah, Church Answers does a lot of things in terms of helping church leaders, um, the, the churches themselves, get to a place of better health. One of our, our favorite resources is our certification programs. We we certify church consultants, we certify church revitalizers, we've certified interim pastors. We've got several programs there that people can seek certification from. And it's just been awesome to, to see an army of uh, people who, who have been raised up to, to help churches. So that's, that's one area where we've really enjoyed working. Uh, but we also have a subscription service that uh, includes uh, a lot of different kinds of things for church leaders, one of which is our is Central, Church Answer Central, which is a, a right. forum, if you will, where we've got 2,000 pastors interacting with each other in this forum, and by the hour, I mean, you're, you're seeing posts come in. I've seen Jonathan in there. Jonathan's yeah. been in there, yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to, let me put it this way. Uh, if you have a, an issue in your church that you need addressed, and you, know, you don't want to pay a significant amount of money for a consultant, um, and, and it could be just a very simple question. And, you know, maybe it's a, a sensitive in nature to where you don't want to post it on Facebook right. for all your friends to right. see and your church members to see. Uh, it's you, you, you go Church Answer Central, you ask the question and you get uh, experts that jump in, but also just your average everyday pastors yeah. that have lived it, breathed it, and they know it. Um, so that's just one example of the many things that we're offering at Church Answers, the the subscription service is really our our bread and butter resource. Uh, our silver level starts at nine ninety seven a month. So I mean, you the cost of hiring a church consultant are right. significantly more than that. We'll just say that. So a lot of pastors love it just because you know every now and then they've got these questions. And so we, we if you've got church questions, we've got church answers. One of the things I love about it is the scripture literally says there's wisdom in multiple counselors. Yeah. And as That's I true. have been reading through and even posting my own questions, I have found 
experts like yourselves who have given great advice, but also uh, just a, a peer, maybe even a few towns away, who is experiencing something similar and has been able to really tap into some some great wisdom. We've got some good Texans. Absolutely. In, in Church Answers Central. Yeah. Well, yes. you, you wouldn't have any bad Texans. Is there a bad yeah. Texan? That is, I'm sorry. A good saying. Texan is is quite redundant. Well, they yes. probably had chicken fried steak and been to Bucky's, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, two of the, the things I really appreciate too is the church health report, I think is incredibly helpful. You know, um, it's time for me. I'm pushing a number that starts with a five in my age and a zero. And so it's time for me to go have some some new health checkups and I think every few years, a church uh, needs to have a, a church. man way past 50 is now chuckling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think it's really good for a church to have a church health report every couple of years. So tell us just a little bit about that report, and then I'll I'll circle back to say my favorite part about the report. Yeah, the the church health report was created because we thought that well we we'd had some partnerships with some other companies that did some demographics for churches and 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 they were fine, but we really wanted to create something that had the most up-to-date information in a format that's readable. And, 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 and that was the struggle. You're talking about church health report. The church, the church health report. The, you're, ta- we're ta- you're talking about, know your, you switched to know your community. Go yeah. for it. Go Know your community. Yes, know your community. If you had eaten chicken fried steak. If I'd eaten chicken fried steak on this podcast, I know what I was talking about. Community report. The know your, the, I'm talking about the know your community yeah. report. Um, yes, the, the know your community report was born out of this idea of hey, let's get the most up to date information uh, with and pair it with a, a readable format. And the know your community report has been a huge success for us because uh, you get. 50 plus pages of demographics and psychographics. You can know your community uh, in a way that you probably haven't known before. And we also created it to where you can have drive time right. measurement. So you can ask that question, um, you know, how many people live 15 minutes from my church? And Driving who, distance. Yeah. How many people can realistically drive to the church uh, and be a part of our church? And, you know, for some communities that may be 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but you, you can create that parameter and then you get a report that's built around uh, the ability to drive to church. So you can measure based upon drive time. So we really love our Know, know Your Community report. For that and then reason. the Church Health Report was born out of a desire for churches to assess themselves. Right. This is not the outside consultant looking in. This is a survey of members and leaders who are giving their perception of the church in different areas, areas that will be related to evangelism, to ministry, to fellowship, to worship, to prayer, all of those areas. And then there's some doctoral questions that are asked as well. And so when that report is generated, it says, this is what our people think about our Mm -hmm. church. It becomes a perception report. And it basically says, we think we're strong in this area. We think that we are okay in this area, but we really think we're struggling in this area. Perception becomes reality. So that's why the Church Health Report is, you know, you you said, Jonathan, you're about to get to a number that has a five in it. (laughs) Right. I'm there, except there's a six before. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say the number that's after it, because you said earlier, I'll leave that on the floor. (laughs) There's a a great part of the Church Health Report, which I've, you know, I've run many of these in my career, and I've never seen one that has this. It's simple, but it's to help you understand where your congregation is doctrinally and how strong they are in some core doctrines. So I really appreciate that part of the report. I think it's very, very helpful. And and then another product, which I I really love, is a church revitalizer assessment. You know, with 80% 
up to 90% of churches needing church revitalization. Uh, it's super helpful, I think, for a pastor to understand his strengths and really lead from his strengths. And this assessment, especially around revitalization, helps a pastor get there and, and know what his strengths are and how he should be leading. And Jonathan, that one is, uh, let, let me let me put it this way, is fairly painless. Mm, it is right. a self-assessment right. where the pastor does not have to worry about, are these leaders looking at me? The pastor answers the questions, the report is generated, and then the pastor sees the report, unless the pastor chooses to show it otherwise. Right. It's very encouraging. It almost, almost reminds me of Strength Finders, sort of. It's helping me understand my strengths from a revitalization perspective. So uh, it's, it's a wonderful... Uh, yeah, if you've ever taken a personality inventory, it's yeah. very similar to that, except it's created to understand what kind of leader you are when it comes to church revitalization. Right. The other thing we want to let you know today about our partnership is that the 2021 Texas Baptist Annual Meeting, which is in sunny Galveston, Texas, is happening November 14th through the 16th, and uh, Tom Rayner will be one of our keynote speakers, And but also the Rayners along with myself will be reading, leading some breakout sessions. One will be the, the next two great movements among American congregations, the Reemerging Healthy Neighborhood Church is an area that we're really beginning to see uh, partly because of COVID, the idea of the neighborhood church coming back. So let's talk about that for just a moment. What, what are you all finding in you, your research? With, with the neighborhood church, th this, this is really what the pandemic did. It accelerated and exacerbated existing trends. Mm. The neighborhood church was a trend that was already evident, but very few people were seeing it. And I got to give Sam credit. Sam is the one that began to see this emerging trend of neighborhood churches. So not only has he researched it, he has done it. Right. So I defer now just to let Sam talk yeah. about that neighborhood church. You're, you're living it. In fact, I saw a picture yesterday of a, the, a huge baptistry called the ocean where you baptized. Was it 11 people in one day? We did. We, we had a beach so, baptism. We live, on, we live on the coast, so we, we go out and baptize on the beach. Um, yeah, the neighborhood church movement is something that's really born out of not only a demographic reality, but a geographic reality. And you could even say, when you say geographic, you could say real estate. There are a lot of churches that were started, planted. I don't know that we use that term planted in the 40s and 50s right, and 60s right, right. like we do now, but there was churches that were started in these neighborhoods many, many years ago. And they grew, and then unfortunately for many of them, they faded, and they kind of faded away from their own neighborhood. What we're seeing is a reemergence of capturing that real estate, that location, that idea that you have an address for a reason. God planted you there for a reason. He sovereignly placed you there. You had some church leaders that bought the property and, you know, signed the note and, you know, built the campus. And we, need, we needed those people. But it was God who did that. It was God who planted you there. And this idea that we're, we're going to, reestablish ourselves where our location is, is, is beginning to pick up steam. I, I wish I could say that this movement is, you know, full steam ahead. We're going to see a, an incredible revitalization of all these neighborhood churches. I would say that the potential is there and the, the people are beginning to see that they can actually do this. And we want to be a part of helping churches recapture the momentum in their own neighborhoods. So it's just a matter of you having a campus, buried in a neighborhood, utilizing that campus for God's glory, 
it used to be that, you know, two, three acres, a smaller campus, people say, ah, you know, that you, you wouldn't give it much credence. But the megachurch movement is waning. The megachurch will be around, of course, for forever, but um, it is waning. And I think that there's something else that needs to take its place. And I believe that something else is the neighborhood church movement, these community-based churches that I think we can see them grow, you know, 15, 20 people, let's get them back to 150, 200 people. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. And the millennials really prefer, one, a smaller congregation that has more uh, one-on-one relationships and fellowships. And, And one of the trends, at least here in Dallas, is they want to walk. Like they want to, they want to walk to to everything that they do, and so the idea of a neighborhood church, I think, is very stimulating to many of them. The other uh, session we'll, we'll be leading together is about church adoptions and how church adoptions are going to outpace church closures. So let's talk about that for just a moment too. Yeah, I don't get to say anything this time. Yeah. Sam, Sam, Sam's doing it. Sam, Sam's actually doing it instead of instead of me. But when when you look at how churches grow, uh, churches can grow at one site, churches can grow at multi-site, uh, churches can start new and the, it can grow from there, and churches can adopt other churches. Sam is the one that either started or popularized the phrase church adoption. Okay. It, it, it had been called church replanting, right. acquisition, merger, mm-hmm. but the whole idea is a stronger, healthier church bringing in a less healthy church into its family. And it has been an incredibly good thing from my perspective because you are seeing a number of churches that would have otherwise closed the doors and we would have had an autopsy of a deceased church to use Mm -hmm. a book of mine, but they didn't because they were adopted by a healthier church. Sam has been looking at that movement for quite a while, but he hasn't just looked at it, he's lived it. And I call it quite often the South Side Story, Sam. Yeah, one of the things that we started doing at West Bradenton is we just asked the question, what are the pain points in our community and how do we address those pain points? And we created all of our ministries and outreach based upon the the problems of our own community. West Bradenton is a neighborhood church, a little larger neighborhood church, but we're we're buried in a neighborhood just like a, you know, many churches that are out there. And part of helping the neighborhood was helping other neighborhood churches. So we, we've got several, uh, you know, we don't have a church on every street corner in, in, in our part of Florida, but we have, we have churches around. And we reached out to a church and said, hey, let's help you. We sent them actually, a, when, they, when they didn't have a pastor, we sent them one of our best teachers over there to preach. We sent them worship people. We, we, sent, uh, we sent them folks to work on their campus, help clean up and all of that. And uh, as we fostered them, that's another term that we use, as we fostered them, they came to the realization that they wanted to be adopted. And they asked us, hey, they didn't quite say it like that. They just said, we think we need to be a part of your church. We think we need to be part of your church family. And that's where the language kind of came about as I thought about these different terms. I've got nothing against the term church merger. I'm not personally offended by it, but I, I wanted a more biblical sounding approach. I don't want to accuse people who do mergers as not being biblical because I think they can be, but I wanted something that just sounded a little more, a softer sounding term that was more biblical in, in, uh, in, in at least on the surface and, and less corporate. So we came up with this term church adoption, and it's just this idea of, of a church, you know, one church, a healthier church, um, bringing into the family another church that's not as healthy and blending those two families together. And that's what we've done 
between West Bradenton and Southside. And yes, for those of you who are listening, yeah, we're West Bradenton Baptist Church, Southside Campus. West Bradenton is not in West Bradenton, and Southside is not on the Southside. <laughs> Southside's actually central, close to downtown. West Bradenton is pretty much, it's a mile, mile and a half from downtown, but right. you know, when they were built many decades ago, they were, they were on the Southside and in the West yeah. side of town. So now we, we have these crazy geographic uh, names, and, <laughs> and, and it is a little confusing. Maybe one of these days we'll figure it out. But, but by and large, adoption is one church uh, bringing another church into the family. And, and I think that there's going to be a lot more of that in the future. And I hope, our hope is that as churches close, that they'll consider adoption. Right. And that we'll see adoptions eventually catch up to church closures to where the numbers start working in, in the kingdom uh, better than, you know, than just seeing churches close their doors. Go figure, we're called as Christians to love one another. We're called as Christians to encourage one another. But we don't always translate that over to churches loving one another and churches so encouraging one another. And so it's very much an extension of what we're commanded to do anyways. Well, let, let's transition for a moment. Um, the two of you have done a lot of research on the, the pandemic. And as this is being recorded, uh, we are uh, cl hopefully coming to the end of this, this pandemic, at least uh, here in Texas. Um, so tell us about the post-pandemic world. Tom, you wrote a book called The, Qu the Post-Quarantine Church. So tell us about your research, your projections about the post-COVID church. Research in the objective sense was probably an overstatement. What, what we did a lot for... Uh, that book that came to me was uh, we interviewed a, okay. a lot of church leaders. And so my publisher, Tyndale, uh, called me up and said, uh, hey, we're getting a lot of questions about the quarantine. And mm -hmm. we were in the middle of the quarantine. Right. And, and they said they, they really want to know what is the church going to look like as we come out of the quarantine and as we go into this post-COVID or post-quarantine era. And so they, they, they said, uh, can you write that book? I said, sure. I said, how long? I said, can you, can you, not how long is the book, but how long, <laughs> how long do I have to write it? And they said, three weeks. Oh, my. <clears throat> so I did. I got the book done in 19 days. They got it published very quickly, and the, and the book went out. And the, and the essence of this is what is happening in the quarantine. I said this earlier in the podcast. And what has happened as a result of the quarantine is that a lot of the trends that we saw, both negative and positive, have accelerated or, or have been exacerbated. If your church was declining, the decline is probably greater. If your church was growing, you'll probably come out of this mm -hmm. in still a healthier mode. As And, and uh, Sam needs to address this. As your church attendance frequency was going down, the frequency right. how people attend, right. it'll become probably even more so. That was the mm -hmm. essence of this post-COVID or post-quarantine church. But Sam has probably written as much as anybody I know on, on this thing about attendance frequency and what the implications are there, especially in this post-COVID world. Yeah, one of the trends that we were seeing before the pandemic was that people were coming to church le less often. Right. In fact, the number one reason why churches decline is people attending less frequently. Um, and and, and it, it is really just that simple. Um, the person that was attending four out of four weeks starts attending three out of four weeks fades. And no, most people just don't up and leave a church. They fade away. And now you're looking at people, you're happy if they're there every other week. Right. Well, if you go from a church that has people that average four to four weeks to every other week, your church is half the size on Sunday. That's right. 
And, and it's just, and obviously there are reasons why that happens, and every church is different, every person is different as to why that happens. But from a mathematical, mathematical numerical perspective, the reason why churches are declining, for the most part, people just coming less frequently. Um, that certainly, that trend has accelerated or has been exacerbated, to use Dad's term, um, after the pandemic. People are not coming as frequently. So one of the best things you can do as a church leader is to, to put into place some things that will help people come more frequently, encourage them to be there more often. Uh, I, I'm certainly not up for gimmicks, church growth gimmicks, but one of the best ways to grow your church is just to get people that are coming one out of four weeks and get them to be there every other week and sure. you'll, you'll double your attendance. Right, right. Um, but yeah, attendance frequency is a very real problem in the church and it's causing people to, to fade away. From, from their churches. You know, we, we, we have this cliche-ish, almost a dad joke, but uh, not quite a dad joke, but it's, uh, what do you call a church member who attends every other week? What do you call him? A deacon. No. <laughs> or, no. Or, an uh, or an elder. Depending on your basic context. No, yeah. in this audience, I would, I would say there's prob probably a deacon. And the point <laughs> is, it's not just endemic with the members. Leaders are more and more likely to attend less frequently yeah. as well. Thus, the reason for the yeah. joke. And apologies to all your listeners <laughs> and deacons who heard that one. Yeah, all of the deacons that are on this, we're, we're really sorry. We only have great deacons in Texas. I'm not sure about the rest of the states, oh, but only great deacons. A good Texan, a good Texas deacon. That's that's another one of those redundant. Things, Absolutely, right? okay. for okay. sure. A, a good a good Texas uh, steak, you know, chicken fried steak, and a good Texas deacon. I'm so curious. I'm so curious about this. Oh, we're gonna solve that. Just chicken fried steak. It is. Steak. It is what it sounds like. Okay. There will be pictures. There will be pictures. It'll be everywhere. I'm sure. Absolutely. So, there. Are, I'm hearing these different percentages. Uh, people are predicting what percentage of the church are we expecting to not see again at the end of the pandemic. Have y'all dipped into that? Yes, so? yeah, on average 20%. Yeah. I think most churches will settle in after everything's all said and done, and that will be different times for different communities. But after it's all said and done, you're on average, your church is gonna see about 80% of the people back that were there pre-pandemic. So if you're averaging 100 before the pandemic, I would expect to average about 80 after this is all said and done. And that may be a year from now. It's certainly, it's certainly not right at the moment because right. we have a number of churches that are 40, 50, and 60% sure. right now. And we've seen some churches in Texas, honestly, that have grown during the pandemic. So, yep. you know, church growth and revitalization is so contextualized to every local congregation. That's what one of the reasons that it's so difficult yes. to, to, train, to train people in it. Well, so we've talked about some of the difficulties uh, but there's some real opportunities as well that the book speaks to. Let's talk for a second about seizing your opportunity to reach the digital world. Because we've discovered, I was training some pastors the other day and said, look, your church was way more fluid than what you realized. Your church changed very, very quickly to a digital age. Maybe not a wonderful digital age, but cell phones and iPhones all of a sudden were being attached to walls and tripods and the people did it and the people watched. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts about this opportunity to reach uh, people in the digital age. The, the, the digital age was a reality before the pandemic. It's just a lot of church leaders discovered the reality for the church. And it was amazing. Facebook could not hold right. all of the streaming services yep. right when the pandemic began. And, and when, you, when you look at the digital world, I would say look at it as a mission field don't look at it as competition to your in-person. Look good. at it as a place where you can reach people, pray for people, 
and basically for those who are local and are able to come, to come to the in-person service at some point. It's a mission field. Don't shut down your digital world just because you're regathering. Right. And then also there's a chapter about reconnecting with the community near you. I've seen some, uh, some churches and some communities that have done such an amazing job during COVID to connect, but how can we get reconnected to the community that's right there around us? Thinking about the neighborhood church even. Yeah, and this isn't just for the neighborhood church. It could really be for any church, but you know, take a look at your address. And really where I would start is a Know, know Your Community report. Yes. Start with the demographics and psychographics. Uh, who, who's actually there? Um, for if you've been a pastor or church leader for a long time at a particular location, you probably have a pretty good idea, but I bet there's some surprises in the demographics that you don't know. Uh, so I'd start just by getting the facts, get the facts. And then what you need to do is to really press into the problems of the community. So what, what would the leaders of that community say is some of the biggest problems? What the school superintendent say? What, what would the mayor say? What would the city council say? These are the biggest problems. Your church is there to be an answer to those problems. Your church is there to be a solution to those problems. Those are where the gospel opportunities are. So I think the next step is just simply pressing into the problems. For our church, that was fostering, as it is the case in many communities. In fact, I, I get this question a lot. Well, how can I really get to know the people in my, in my area? How can I really solve problems? Well, get a handful of your families fostering and in the foster system. Right. And you will find out reality <laughs> in your quickly. community. That, right. and, and you will be in the thick of all of the issues in the community. So that's just one example. Um, we've done some things like serving the homeless because that we had a lot of drug addiction in our community. Heroin's a very big, big and real problem for us. That's not going to be the case in every community. But just ask that question. What, what is the problem here and how can we be a solution? And I'd say the next step would then be equipping and training your people to cross that. Um, there's missiological lines that are out there that are very hard to cross. You know, you think of like these geopolitical boundaries in some closed countries, but I think the hardest missiological line for a lot of people to cross is that invisible line between yards where, you know, yes. where you mow your grass. You've yep. got, you've, you, 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 know, and you know where that line is, you yeah. know, where my yard starts yep. and where, and where, the, where somebody else's yard begins, or where one ends and one begins. And um, just walking across the street and getting to know a neighbor, inviting them to church, which is not evangelism, but it's a great first step to sure. evangelism. Yeah. And being a good neighbor, I think that there's a, a great commandment about that, that you guys are really big with uh, yeah, Texas yeah, Baptist. GC2, Great Commission, Great Commandment. That's where we got to live. So, the, I mean, it really is that simple. What are the biggest problems in the community? How can we solve them? And how can we equip and train our people just to walk across their yards and get to know their neighbors and invite them to church? Right. One of the phrases I love to live by and talk about a lot is you cannot out-mission the Messiah. Right. You can't outmission the Messiah. And he has called every church and every leader and every deacon or whoever that's listening today uh, to uh, be salt and to be light in the communities where they live and where they go to church. And so uh, that, that's so good. Well, uh, this has been a, a wonderful uh, time together today. We are so excited as Texas Baptist about this new partnership, how it's going to grow, all that it's going to mean, the way that we can encourage and help one another between church answers, the Rainers and Texas Baptist. So uh, Tom, Sam, thank you for your time here today. We're really grateful to, to have you. Uh, and if you want more information about the Center for Church Health,
Here at Texas Baptist, you can visit txb.org. Thank you for joining us today on Revision, and we will see you next time.